0: Hello America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from just the news, where today we've got one heck of a lineup for you. I'm really excited about where we're going. And we also have a lot of big breaking news that you need to be on top of consequential story stories that's even when they're small, they have big meaning, big repercussions across this great country of America. Now, joining us today is an incredible lineup. Wrap your head around this first up. My good friend Cash Patel, former chief of staff to the Pentagon, former chief investigator of the House Intelligence Committee, one of the men alongside of Devin Nunes who unraveled the Russia collusion case. He also was the key National Security Council advisor to President Trump, when they took out one of the world's great terrorists, General Soleimani of Iran. Cash is here. He was at CPAC this weekend, lit up the audience with a panel discussion on John Durham's investigation. And Cash is going to be here to talk about that, all that he absorbed from CPAC, and what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. Very, very, very perilous times. Then Christine McDaniel, amazing former Deputy Assistant Secretary at the Treasury Department, going to talk about are these sanctions working? Why aren't they working? Why should they be working? She's currently a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center, really one of the great fiscal policy and security fiscal policy thinkers in the world. And then we're going to have Sheriff Richard Mack. If you haven't heard Sheriff Richard Mack, buckle your seatbelt. He is one of the most Important voices on defunding the police, on what Democrats always try to do to put the Second Amendment under threat. You're going to love his extraordinary interview coming up as well. A busy day. We're going to get right to it. But before we do, some headlines that you must, you absolutely need to know about. These are important stories that we have. First off, Arizona, there is a new Senate investigation, a new report out. It found... More than 200,000 ballots in Maricopa County, the Phoenix area, had signatures that were mismatched, meaning the signatures on absentee ballots didn't match the ones on file, according to artificial intelligence and computer contrast. Another sign of just how perilously dangerous these mail-in voting states can be in terms of making sure that who votes is who they say they are. That is a big story that's really resonating right now. Hey, the State of the Union is coming up. Remember, we had, it's tomorrow night, President Biden's first State of the Union speech. All of a sudden, remarkably, 24 hours before the speech, the House physician working for Nancy Pelosi said, you know what? All those masks we've been making you wear for two years, you don't have to wear them anymore. We're lifting them tomorrow night, just in time for Joe Biden's speech. Think that was maybe a little bit of politics? In Texas, Governor abbott and attorney general paxton who's on this show often have declared that many gender transition procedures and treatments if they are performed on minors constitute child abuse under texas law a major new strike against transgenderism and these movements that are occurring in some of the places around the country and guess who's upset about it balking about it not people in texas The state of California is weighing in on a Texas policy. Maybe California should stick to its own problems right now. Millions of people are walking out of the state, but that's a really important one. A tragedy last night, one of the January 6th defendants, somebody who was really involved in minor crimes but was facing a prison sentence, Matthew Perna committed suicide over the weekend, according to his family. A tragedy, again, showing that the extraordinary government crackdown on January 6th is having a personal toll. I've always said what went on at the Capitol was wrong. There shouldn't have been violence. You don't attack cops, whether you're left, right. I'm just as uh, forceful on this when the, the Democrats were blowing up our cities and throwing Molotov cocktails into cop cars in New York and other places, burning down police stations in the West Coast. You don't do it. But The question is, is the government been doing things to put pressure on these defendants that exceeds what the law calls for, exceeds what the circumstances call for when someone commits suicide under the pressure of U.S. government uh, pressure, We at least ought to pause for a moment, like we did with Jeffrey Epstein, and find out what happened. A very... Sad, tragic, and powerful story about the January 6th investigations. Lots of sanctions going around. Russia, the U.S. added some. Europe and Canada closed the aerospace. That's a very important dynamic. And one last one. We broke this overnight. It's a big moment. The media covered it big, huge, gigantically, when two lawmakers, Eric Swalwell, the one that has the problem with the Chinese spy, and Benny Thompson, the chairman of the January 6th committee, sued President Trump. And his lawyers and people around him for responsibility, accusing him of have to, they take, should be taking responsibility for the January 6th riots. Well, a federal judge dismissed Rudy Giuliani and Don Jr., Don Donald Trump Jr., from the cases. You won't find this in the media because nobody covers it. We've got it for you. That's an important story. All right. We've got that crazy great lineup today. So I don't want to waste any more time talking to you. I want to get right to the important guests. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come up, first up, Cash Patel. (laughs) Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Always glad to have this guy in the show. He brings a fount of wisdom, and he was one of the rock stars at the CPAC conference this weekend where he talked about John Durham alongside of Devin Nunez and our good friend Lee Smith. Joining us again right now is Cash Patel. Cash, great to have you on. Hey John,
1: it's good to be with you. It was even better to see you in person this weekend in Orlando with so many great conservatives.
0: It really was. It was such an amazing thing. You know, one of the things that struck me because I saw it with my own eyes as I was walking towards you, the number of people that came up to you, Cash, and said thank you for unraveling the the, the lies around Russia. There, you know, there's tens of thousands of people, or you know, twenty three thousand people at this convention. And there are so many people come up and they recognize what you did to turn around the Russia collusion case, along with, you know, people like Jim Jordan, obviously your boss, Devin Nunez, But really amazing to just watch you get mobbed and see all those people do it. Congratulations. That's really cool.
1: Well, you know, I I, I actually have to blame you for that, because if you didn't report (laughs) it so darn well, no one would have known who I was. And then I could go to these things and be... You could be an (laughs) anonymity house. Sorry
0: about that. (laughs) It was was really cool. So let me start there. I want to get to Russia and Ukraine, because a lot of people are worried about the escalation. But before we get to that... I've been to a lot of these. I, this one felt so different. Uh, what was your takeaways from CPAC this weekend?
1: You know, that's, this, this year's CPAC, the place was mobbed um, in a good way. Like, I have never seen that many people that engaged at a CPAC or even read about it or heard about it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they shattered record numbers. The, the media row was twice as big as I've ever seen it. And yep. people were informed and engaged which was the one thing I noticed. It wasn't just, hey, uh, look, there's so-and-so or whatever. They knew the stories, They knew the, the depth of the details because of great reporting like from guys like you. And they were, they were there to participate and not just sort of uh, witness and sort of take it in. So I, that was one of the big takeaways for me was, you know, we're breaking through. We, collectively, we, you, me, and, and, and the few folks doing this hard work, people are reading it. People are watching it. People care. So I think we're turning the corner, and that was nice to see.
0: Yeah, the, the energy and the uh, the belief that this election is going to be sort of a historic election where there is a enormous penalty levied upon uh, the far left and its uh, exercise of control really was really noticeable to me. People just were like, whatever it's going to take, we're going to get this election. And then Friday night, I got to go to the Reagan dinner and watch – Tulsi Gabbard, eviscerate her own party, accuse her own party of trying to destroy the Bill of Rights and to make truth the truth of liberals only, that the liberals' opinion has to be true. She accused her own party of doing that. What a powerful message for a Democrat to come to Republicans and acknowledge yeah. what we've been saying.
1: Wow, I, um, you know, I missed that. I had another event, but right. I heard about it. And I'm glad you got to see it. Man. And it is, um, look, she's one of the few people who actually cares about the truth. She's not just one of the Democrats like everybody else on that side. who just says, well, we know what happened, but we can't talk about it because we'll lose politically. And she's the only one that's not. And look, her and I probably disagree politically on almost everything. But there used to be a time when it came to matters of national security and American protection and American citizens that we could come together on many, many things. And Tulsi Gabbard show that we still can. Yeah.
0: Well, it's uh, such a great point. That time wasn't that long ago, but it's yeah. certainly been destroyed <laughs> by the uh, constant vitriolic, cansy culture, destroy at all cost uh, approach that Democrats have imposed. And I think that that boomerang is about to come back on them. Now, I want to turn. You have such an incredible background in national security, whether with the House Intelligence Committee, the National Security Council, Chief of Staff to the Pentagon. Uh, everybody said Donald Trump was going to create a war with Russia. He didn't. Joe Biden, the guy who said he was going to make sure peace was restored to the world, actually has a war. Um, How serious a moment are we in historically?
1: Well, I don't know if it could get more serious. I mean, as you said, look, under President uh, Obama, uh, Putin invaded the Crimea. Under President Biden, uh, Putin invades an entire country of the Ukraine. Under President Trump, no invasions. We wound down three world wars and almost got out of Afghanistan successfully. And would have if Biden just continued the plan. Uh, so this is a, you know, we. I, I think I've heard other people say, but I'm. I've been cheering for Biden to succeed yep. on the national security stage because look what happens when you don't. Look what happens when, as you know, reporting that you that you help break. Uh, when our commander in chief is giving away classified intelligence to our enemy China about Russian troop movements. And then they turn around and give it to the Russians. And then Joe Biden takes the stand, uh, takes the uh, press questions the other day and says, when asked about it, he says, I'm not prepared to talk about that. You and I both know what that means. He ordered that intelligence shared. It was a total backfire. I don't know what advisors told him that it would be a good idea to give our sensitive classified intelligence collections on troop movements to the Chinese and didn't think they would give it to the Russians and basically give them an assist in their invasion of the Ukraine. I mean, it's decisions like this that are outraging, that, that are outrageous and people are just tired of it.
0: Yeah, it is amazing. And you, know, you were on this podcast about a month or two ago talking about Joe Biden sort of setting up the public storm, a uh, perfect storm because Russia is basically a giant gas station with nuclear weapons, right? Its entire yeah. industry is based on yeah. you know oil. Yeah. And they left the Trump administration pretty weakened because America didn't need any Russia oil. It was net exporting. We had the ability to take our natural gas and give it to Europe. Mm -hmm. If Putin tried to play geopolitical power plays like he used to in the past, now we don't have our trans-Canada pipeline. We don't have drilling in the Gulf. We're closing things up. And they have the Nord Stream pipeline in process and they've got that geopolitical wisdom. You predicted this was going to embolden Putin. It's funny how climate change... And, and the radical agenda actually created a world crisis. There's a direct link, isn't there?
1: Well, you're absolutely right. Look, we, when, you don't, when you politicize the national security apparatus of the United States, these are the things that happen. The catastrophe in Afghanistan that led to civilian deaths, children deaths, and of, of course, the one that's most important to me personally is America and 13 American dead. And then you have the southern border. And now you have Afghanistan. And these are a direct consequence of, the politicization of the national security apparatus. What do I mean by that? Simple. President Trump put America's national security interests first, didn't care what the media said about him. And, uh, oh, by the way, there's a, uh, there's a popular article going around right now when he had that white napkin at NATO in front of Angela Merkel, and he said, there's, this, there's your white flag. Take it. You're getting energy from Russia for free. And we sanctioned the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and shut it down. What does Joe Biden do? Opens the pipeline back up. And what, what happens? Russia's making tons of money. Oil prices are skyrocketing around the world. And Germany, who's supposed to be helping us take on Russia and stop this Ukraine invasion, is getting basically cheap energy, and they've done nothing. This is what happens when you fail to prioritize national security. You put politics over it. Um, and it's funny because apparently Joe Biden ran on not putting politics above national security, and he hasn't gotten one single national security issue.
0: And uh, and there was a famous cabinet member in the Obama years who predicted that Bob Gates, uh, the former defense secretary, said Joe Biden hasn't been right on a single foreign policy issue in all 40 years of his career. Now we know what he meant when we've seen this. How does America navigate this? Because whether we support or, you know, whether we voted for Joe Biden or we didn't, the need for our president to succeed when the world is aflame like this is important. Is there a pathway for Joe Biden to push back and get this in a better scenario than we have right now?
1: Well, there would be if he had the global respect of world leaders, um, such as Putin and Xi Jinping, who have completely ignored him since invading the uh, Ukraine. And he's not even over there negotiating for peace. And that, to me, highlights how far American geopolitical dominance has fallen. The commander in chief is in America, um, maybe in his home in Delaware. I don't know. I haven't seen him.
0: He has been there.
1: He's not on the world stage. He's not even talking about it on a world stage. He's not in Europe. He sends Kamala Harris, who failed at the border, and she failed spectacularly um, in Eastern Europe when she was trying to assuage the Ukraine situation with her word salad jumble, which literally the next day, what, Putin invades? So that didn't work. And now what is Joe Biden going to do next to get it back? How is he going to stop the war that Putin started? And I just don't see a path because he's too fixated on what the media says about him and not doing the same thing that Donald Trump did, which worked, which is the ultimate sin, I think, just because Donald Trump did it and it worked. And the fact that this administration won't do it for that reason shows how petty they are. And what people don't realize is that, You know, thankfully, the casualties haven't come close to America, but they'll start realizing it when they do, when and if they do. But hundreds of civilians in the Ukraine have already been murdered. I don't know what it's going to take for Joe Biden to wake up and say, oh, we're going to sanction them back to the negotiating table. Putin doesn't care about that. That's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, it it is remarkable. And if you don't think things in Ukraine, I mean, they are bombarding uh, cities today with an aerial assault like Mm -hmm. we haven't seen since World War Two in Europe. Uh, And yet, remarkably, the Ukrainians have held the line so far, despite being way outnumbered. One of the most amazing things this weekend, Joe Biden was on vacation at his home in the middle of a world crisis. And uh, Vlodomar Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, was in a helmet, in a flak jacket with a Kalashnikov on the front lines fighting. Compare the leadership difference between these two men. And by the way, Zelensky used to be a TV comic. Now he's being compared to Churchill. What your reaction when you see the difference between two world leaders in the middle of a crisis?
1: Well, Zelensky is a world leader. Joe Biden, I would not call him a world leader at this point. Um, He has failed on every major geopolitical crisis involving national security since he's come to office. I can't think of a single issue that he successfully navigated and led America or the world through, which is the job of the commander-in-chief. That's why we are America. And we have lost that footing, and we've lost it because of plays like Xi Jinping is being allowed to make with Taiwan and the genocide that they continue to inflict on certain citizens in China. And Putin's basically all out war offensive in Ukraine, which puts the world on the precipice of World War III. And who's going to Russia to negotiate a peace? The Ukrainians, Zelensky's guys, they went there. America isn't even calling and intervening to say, let's get everyone to the table. Let's lead the charge at the United Nations. Let's kick Russia off the UN Security Council. Why we are not doing that is beyond me. Why we are not revoking Every Russian diplomat's access to the United Nations, things that which we undertook during the Trump administration, is beyond me. Yeah. These things aren't even being discussed by the Biden administration. And there needs to be, John, a full-scale investigation as to why the commander-in-chief of the United States shared classified information with our enemy in Xi Jinping. And what in the world he was thinking? And we
0: know now that it got all the way to Russia. All they were doing it was feeding it to Russia to build bulk up the relationship. It's just, it, it's just mind numbing to think it is. Let me ask yeah. you this, because a lot of people have been asking this question of me in the last few days, and I don't know the answer to it. But you, you, you sat at the chief of staff as a chief of staff here in the N.S.C. before that. If Russia is able to continue this assault on Ukraine, does it have ambitions to take it in towards a NATO country?
2: Well,
1: I mean, look, that, the map's pretty clear. The only ones left that are non-NATO countries are Belarus and I think Moldova, off the top right. of my head. The rest is basically, you know, you know, he's pushing up against the old Iron Curtain. And I think in Putin's head, he's probably thinking, "How do I revive the Soviet Kingdom, the Soviet Empire?" But I don't know if he's is he going to go? I didn't look. I thought and said publicly, I didn't think he was going to do this. So, I, you know, I was wrong. And um, tragically, this is where we are. And what's he going to do next? Is he going to take it to a NATO nation? I don't know what's going to happen if he does that. You know, is NATO and Article 5 actually going to be called upon to execute? Or are we just going to read about how there is an Article 5? And who's going to lead the charge? America again? Are we going to pay for it with blood and treasure? Or are the NATO countries themselves, who President Trump got to pony up 2%, going to put up their blood and treasure because it's a global security issue? I don't know with Joe Biden there because – It seems to me that he'll probably end the uh, our coffers and allow our economic situation to be drained um, if it is a NATO situation. But where's Germany? Where's England? Where's France? You know, where are these countries that border basically this war?
0: It's remarkable. It is. So for the first time this week in Germany, finally started to send some armaments Ukraine's way. And that's a good sign. Europe closed its airspace to Russia. Uh, Canada has closed its airspace to Russia, but so far the United States hasn't done that. And you know, when you look at the sanctions, the one thing that Joe Biden has not hit hard—it hits the central bank now. It's hit a lot, it hasn't touched Russia's energy industry. I'm so—if uh, you want to hurt them, hit them in their best spot. It doesn't seem like uh, he's, he has the will to do that. And. Um, These are just head-scratching times. What should we watch for? Last question, uh, Cash. What should we watch for over the next few days to understand where this conflict is going?
1: I would watch one place, Moscow, where the Ukrainian uh, delegation is meeting with uh, Putin's guys. That's it. It's either going to be, we're going to know after that meeting if it went well or it didn't went well. And then there are going to be immediate consequences from that. And I just don't think... We are postured, if the situation deteriorates, we are postured, as you were alluding to, to successfully navigate this situation because Joe Biden does not know how to use the sanctions program. You can't just use some sanctions and then rescind old sanctions that he knows, like the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that didn't work, and now he's putting them back in place because he knew he got it wrong. You can't go retroactively with sanctions. you got to go full bore. And sanctions allow for diplomacy to engage if you suffocate your enemy with them. And there's a threat behind it that's a kinetic threat, not just a paper threat. And we don't have that. So I don't, I don't know that it's going to get better with our assistance, but hopefully we've seen the, the, the heroic efforts of the Ukrainians. It might just get better and resolved with there. Yeah.
0: It is They're remarkable definitely. watching Zelensky in action. It just, it's, it's. I've been in awe of it all weekend, and it's hard not to. The nuclear thing, does that concern you? I just want to ask that as a follow-up here. The, the way uh, twice in less than 72 hours, Putin has kind of hinted at nuclear thing first by saying, hey, if you get involved in this, you're going to see something that's never happened in the world before. Everybody took that to nuclear, mean nuclear. And then after that, he put all of his nuclear uh, uh, de- defense set, uh, systems on uh, high alert, what's he doing with his nuclear stuff?
1: I mean, I think he's realizing that it was a much tougher fight in Ukraine than he anticipated that yeah. they didn't just roll over. And now he's losing the narrative on the media stage, which has always been his thing as a propaganda machine, right? Right. To reestablish dominance globally and over American superiority. And the Ukrainians are effectively winning and they're being invaded. And now he needs the media to refocus. So what did he do? He plays the nuke card and he says, Oh, you know, we've, we, everyone knows Russia has an enormous nuclear stockpile and right. capability. But for him to inject that into the, uh, the sort of the ethos here is so that everyone starts talking about it. Now, you know, who knows what this guy's going to do because I didn't think he was going to go in there. Will he actually hit the button on the nuclear arsenal? L- you know, Lord, I hope not because that is just the yeah. end of days. The
0: point of no return. Yeah.
1: If he, you know, he's talking about his heightening posture and all that, I think that is just. Sort of propaganda, um, right? And propaganda, because your nuclear arsenal is always ready to go. Ours is, theirs is. That's the whole point of having one. Yep. And that's so how you create it's based on of, like you know cinematic and things you read about on TV. But people pay attention to it because it's another serious threat. Like he threatened to invade the Ukraine, and he did. So now you got to take him a little more seriously when he, when he's doing that. And that is something that America has to be focused on. Our entire intelligence collection capabilities and defense posture for us and our allies has to be on full bore um, out of uh, out of our, our uh, places out west.
0: Cash, we are so lucky. By the way, your panel discussion on John Durham was absolutely brilliant. Next time we get you back on, I want to kick that tire. But thank you so much for joining us. We always learn a lot when you're on.
1: Thanks so much, John. Appreciate it, and hope uh, your audience can check out Fight with Cash. Fight with Cash. They get a chance. We need the support to. Help crush the fake news media, John, that you've been crushing for years. we got to help people get their voices back clear their
0: names. There has to be a way to rebalance the system. And what you're doing in that arena is so essential. So, folks, check out FightWithCash.com. That is a place where you can get directly involved to help out in, in getting the First Amendment freed back up from all of this tyranny. So, Cash, thanks a ton.
1: Thanks, John. Good seeing you again, and uh, we'll chat
0: soon. Sounds great. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining. You're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. A very special guest is joining us right now. Over the weekend, your head might have been spinning when you saw all these actions Uh, sanctions here, the SWIFT system there, uh, banning uh, uh, or uh, closing the Russians out of airspace over Europe. And you're trying to say, can someone make sense and does any of this make a difference? Well, I have just the perfect person to answer that question. Joining us right now is the former Deputy Assistant Secretary at the Treasury Department and currently a Senior Research Fellow at the Mercatus Center, Christine McDaniel. so glad to have you on the show
3: thank you so much for having me.
0: We have been talking this uh, hour about just how perilous this moment is in Europe what's going on in Ukraine and before we get into the specifics of all of your expertise because you have so much of this um, how dangerous a moment is the world facing right now
3: well this I mean in, in my lifetime and I imagine many of your listeners' lifetimes I mean I think this is unprecedented just over you know over the weekend we saw more Alliance forming on security issues in Europe, than we've seen over the past three decades With Germany now just coming out saying that they will be increasing their military spending uh, To over 2% of GDP. I mean, we haven't seen those levels since 1991 yes. in Germany, so this is a real uh, this is really uh Remarkable moment in terms of the world the, uh, the Western cu- uh, countries coming together and, you know, and and essentially, you know, recognizing the importance of, of freedom.
0: Yeah. And that's really what's at stake here. Uh, the, a free and prosperous Europe is on the line when, when we see this aggression. Um, a lot of people ask this question. I was at CPAC this week. A lot of people came up to me and it's a hard question to answer, but uh, particularly as a reporter. But as you look at this. Was this moment preventable? Where if we were in a different mindset than we were in the last couple of months under different leadership, do you th- was there a way to ward off Putin's aggression that we did not follow?
3: Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I mean, I um, you know, I'm an economist, so I I, I try not to say you know the would have could have should have things. It, right. Right. Um, I it mean, clearly didn't happen,
0: so we know that. <laughs>
3: Well, that's right, you know, yeah. and it's not just, you know, um, a leadership in one country. I mean, it's the whole world, right? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing the only reason that these sanctions are having any effect is um, because of the tight coordination uh, among yeah. the West, you know, the US, the UK, Canada, the EU, most notably, and um, I don't think anyone expected the EU to come out uh, so no. strongly as they have in such a short time. So, um, y- you know, I it, and you know, uh, people with much more expertise on Russia than than me you know, have pointed out to me in recent days that, it, you know, watching Putin, listening to him over the past decade, you know, this has been on his mind for a very long time.
0: It has. Yeah. And there's no doubt about it. He's been talking about recreating the Russian empire or the Soviet map uh, for a long time. And obviously he picked his moment. Um, when you look at the sanctions, including the new ones today, America's really put some big sanctions on uh, Russia in the last 72 hours. Go through the ones and which ones you think are going to be most consequential to Russia, maybe get their attention.
3: Well, so the sanctions have been really sweeping. I mean, we've seen, yes. um, you know, the r- really targeted economic sanctions. I think over the years, um, you know, we, we've realized that you know, trade sanctions alone don't work. You need to Combined them with banking sanctions, financial sanctions, remember the um, the grain embargo yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in 1980, remember sure. when russia yeah and um and that was under the then president carter and it was not very effective. Russia just got their grain from other places, but it and it really hurt American farmers um, so um but you know over the years um, you know We've learned that um, more economic sanctions and targeted sanctions uh, are more effective. I mean, the 2014 sanctions uh, were were quite effective. The U.S.-EU sanctions uh, were were quite effective. And and they're doing that again. But, you know, that takes a lot of intelligence and it takes a lot of coordination. Capital moves across borders uh, very Can can move across borders very fluidly. So just if one country start, you know, says we're going to cut off X, Y, and Z, well, it's you know, it's like water. If it can't go down one route, it will go down another. Um, But what the world is doing is they're basically building, you know, like this dam around the whole mountain, right? So there's getting harder and harder for Russia to to move their money. So one thing we've seen is uh, sanctions against the Russian Central Bank, the Russian Ministry of Finance, and their state wealth fund. We've also seen sanctions against certain individuals, uh, oligarchs, and, and even their families, So, um, and individuals that work for state-owned enterprises and, and that have family ties to Putin. Uh, we've seen asset freezes for some of their largest banks yep. uh, and freezes for their debt and equity, and then freezes on some of their firms um, in critical mining areas, transportation, logistics, so, you know, you're basically trying to shut down access to critical technology, goods and services and finance for anybody who is enabling the invasion.
0: You can see the impact because today interest rates went up to 20% as the ruble, you know, really went through the floor. How long can Putin survive in that? First off, it's a basically a one one trick pony economy, right? It's all about energy and oil for them. They don't have a whole lot of else to draw on. How long can he survive with this much economic stranglehold over him?
3: Yeah, that's, that's the big question uh, that, um, I, that I'm sure a lot of people and intelligence agencies and, and financial institutions are trying to figure out and they probably have some clue. I mean, you know, uh, we're publicly, you know, we're hearing, you know, it could be, um, see a lot of that depends on how much you cut him off of, right? right. There's reports that he's got a hundred billion dollars, you know, um, sitting around um that he's compiled over the years but then you know how do you cut off his access to that right Um, you know will these sanctions be enough Um, will they have to do like wide sweeping um sanctions on swift you know which is basically like the gmail for global banking um and you know so it it's a big question of you know where he's keeping these funds how he's accessing them and can the west identify how he's accessing them and then cut those those um, those funds off. But, you know, everyday Russians are starting to feel the pinch. Like you said, um, you know, these are just ordinary people. Um, they were expecting, you know, that they couldn't use their credit card to um, they couldn't go online and use a credit card to buy something in some other currency. You know, They're not able to travel to their favorite um, European destinations. Their air- airspace is cut off. Um, the loan that they may have wanted to for to buy a new car or a new house is now um gotten a lot more expensive uh, so you know their their world is changing, and it will be interesting to see how much um, you know how long that uh, Putin can quell uh, those those um protests
0: you, yeah that 's one of the things that really struck me because you don 't see a lot of protests in uh, moscow it 's a pretty hard crackdown, and there 's like six thousand people arrested over the weekend. Is it possible that behind the scenes there is some effort at regime change going on in Russia that we don't know of? And can economic um, sanctions and penalties like we've seen, which these are fairly historic and sweeping, could they lead to to regime change inside Russia?
3: That will be really interesting to see. I mean, you have, you know, at some point, I mean, everyone has a breaking point, right? And, you know, the, the question is, where is that breaking point for ordinary Russian people? And where is that breaking point for for putin's tight um circle he, There was that public um publicized meeting he had with his um ministry of defense uh and um there are some people trying to read read body language there and um one person said when they did make the announcement of um further military attacks that the defense minister's head just bowed down, which was you know indicative of you know not fully support supportive. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean where where is their threshold for um you know basically standing up and saying, you know, why are we doing this? Um we're not we're not going to be um, supporting this anymore. But there's gonna be enough people to want that um that regime change. It can't just be one or two people. That's right. right? There's gonna be enough people um because he has such tight control of the uh, people around him.
0: Yeah, it almost takes someone in his inner circle to stand up to him and see if they can survive it. I think in that process, it'll be so fascinating. Now, one place that thus far hasn't gotten hit too hard by Western sanctions is the energy portion of uh, uh, Russia's economy. Now, everything else, the central bank, obviously, all the other sanctions have a downstream effect on the energy because they can't access their credit and other things. But um, is that something you hold in reserve? Is the Biden administration holding that in reserve to add another wave of pressure if they see more bad behavior?
3: Well, yeah. And again, that's another timing issue, right? Because that, the whole idea here is you want to hit them really fast and really hard, right, to try to Um, fend off any future bad action. So, um, you know, the longer this goes on, you know, the more casualties we're going to see. Um, And, of course, the harder it's going to be for for, uh, Putin and Russia. But if you can, you know, I've heard reports uh, coming out of the EU saying that they could probably live without um, oil, Russian oil, you know, for the next year, right? Um, and you know, their Russia's oil exports are five times its uh, gas uh, gas exports, natural gas exports. So that that could hurt a lot. Um, you know, people are probably s- s- scrambling to figure out, you know, how long could they go without um, energy imports from Russia? And I imagine once those uh, numbers and timelines start coming in, then people will recalculate. Um, you know, how much pain they're willing to undergo now yeah. to put a stop to this.
0: And can America fill that backfill? I mean, that's always been Putin's hold over Europe, certainly Eastern Europe particularly, but even parts of Western Europe. I've got the gas and energy that you need, so you're not going to mess with me. Can American and other Western uh, countries make up the energy gap that cutting off Putin from his normal European markets would create?
3: Well, yes, but it won't be costless. Right. And then, then the big question is, will this accelerate the effort to decarbonize, you know, our our energy sources? And you know, it, it could be. I mean, maybe this is, you know, just the 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 just the price um, boost <laughs> that the um that the energy markets need right. because you know, what gas price oil prices are so low, it's it's really hard to incentivize um, investment in you know, an alternative energy sources. But um, with uh, but with Russia out of the picture, you know, basically the whole world supply curve shifts back. Yeah. Uh, prices will go up. And will that be enough to um, incentivize, you know, a different, uh, different energy future?
0: That's the question. It really is. And I assume nuclear has got to be part of that discussion short term because obviously a lot of this uh, current – Energy that they get from uh, Putin goes to uh, warming homes and, and powering plants. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see if Europe turns to nuclear. We've in America, we've been kind of put nuclear on the shelf for a decade or so. But do you see nuclear energy coming into this economic equation as sort of a short term uh, and long term solution for both getting climate uh, progress and um, uh, getting uh, Vladimir Putin out of your energy backyard?
3: Well, short term, no, but long term, it's hard to see how countries, especially as you say, Europe, won't revisit nuclear, Um, you know, with um, with the U.S. and so many other countries, um, you know, going down that road and, you know, and and realizing its potential, um, you know, if 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 Russia is out of the energy picture for the short to medium term, it's you you would think that Europe will be forced to reassess its um views on on nuclear energy
0: yeah so it's such an amazing moment this 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 uh the events of the last week have maybe five or ten years of consequence i think coming together very quickly uh last question as you look out what are the things that we in america should be watching for as signs of where this crisis is going where our own economy is going we were already dealing with the prospect of higher interest rates, inflation's been pretty tough on America the last year. Where do you think this all goes, and what are, are Americans going to have to prepare themselves for a a little bit more uncomfortable economic times?
3: Uh, well, you know, we our um, ties to Russia are mainly um, you know indirect in, in energy. The um, so we're not as as exposed as Europe, but. We are exposed to Europe, and so you know when when Europe um, when Europe catches the flu, you know we might sneeze a bit, right? um, But um, (laughs) but we're not exposed to Europe. The um, I think the big question here is how what China is going to do, right? Because we are we are heavily exposed to China, sure. And you know if China um, does start to lump themselves in with Russia, um, you know then the international financial institutions will have some big questions there. Um, it's hard to see investors being that comfortable, hold, you know, holding, uh, putting their money in Russia, um, you know, even after de-escalation, just looking out into even the next few years, um, you know, with these capital controls happening just over the weekend with Putin saying, um, you know, basically freezing assets um, and um, and barring foreigners from, from taking anything out of Moscow, anything out of Russia. Yeah. Um, it's hard to see investors getting comfortable investing there again for a while. Um and so that money will go elsewhere. Where will it go um and then you know and and how is China going to react to this? Are they going to um you know uh, if they get too comfortable with russia well then it's they could even get caught up in these sanctions um and then that will have direct you know much harsher effects on the u s economy um but if they stay out of it um or even better yet you know come around to um to um, support the West, um, you know, that could be uh, make it more, a softer landing for the U.S. economy.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, last question, because this comes up a lot, and I study the EIA data a lot, but uh, the Russian imports of oil have been going up, you know, maybe since 2019. They've been going up. There was a period where uh, U.S. production went way up. It's down a little bit. Uh, Russian imports seem to still be going up to the United States. How concerned should an everyday American be that we do have Russian oil coming in in a moment when all of our countries are at odds with Russia?
3: Well, it, you know, it's like I said, it's not going to be costless. I mean, although, you know, look, gas prices were, um, have been on the rise yep. and we're going to be continuing to rise this year, you know, even without this conflict, right? So we, we were looking at higher gas prices um, in 2022, even without even without the Ukraine. Invasion, this will add further pressures on it for sure um, and um, and then the question is you know how, how will those higher prices uh, affect demand if the price goes up enough to to soften demand that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, I think, for the u s economy i mean we we need to bring you know, demand down one, we need to kind of slow things down one way or the other, you know, the inflation part so of it, slow. right? Yeah. Yeah. We, everyone was focused on inflation. Right? Well, this would be one way to do it for sure. Right. <laughs> Higher energy prices, yes. um, not the way that probably we had thought about wanting to do it, but yeah. um, it could be another way of getting to where we need to be.
0: It's an amazing moment in, in history and so much is going to play out in the next few weeks. I guess we'll get some clarity, but, um, Pretty remarkable time. Christine, it's an amazing honor to have you on. How can folks follow the work that you're doing uh, in all the places that you've been, uh, particularly the Mercatus Center now?
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me. We're, we're at the Mercatus Center. It's mercatus.org, uh, M-E-R-C-A-T-U-S. So Mercatus is Latin for market. So we um, you know, tend to be a market-focused yeah. um, you know, institute, and we like to kind of be a bridge between academia and policymakers. Uh, And yeah, all of our work is all of our work is there. So fantastic.
0: That's really great. Well, I really appreciate you having on. We learned a lot and uh, we're probably going to need you on uh, in the future because I think we're headed into some pretty remarkable economic and security time. So thank you again for for the time you spent with us today.
3: Thank you so much. Happy to do it.
0: Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back. Sheriff Richard Max here to talk a little bit about what's going on in law enforcement. It's going to be a really important conversation. Stick around. You won't be disappointed. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors, particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, "Hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As promised, a very special guest. He is the former sheriff of Graham County, Arizona, and the head right now of an amazing organization that uh, is, I'd say, beginning a a liberty movement among law enforcement uh, officials in America. It's called the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. Joining me right now is Sheriff Richard Mack. Sheriff, great to have you on the show.
2: Solomon. I couldn't be more thrilled. Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's an honor. And um, why don't we start off? Because a lot of people might not know the mission of what CSPOA is doing. Why don't we just explain how important and what an important role you're playing in the dialogue today?
2: All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. All of this was uh, founded and based on the lawsuit that I filed against the Clinton administration back in 1994. Uh, Yeah, I was the youngest sheriff in the state of Arizona at the time. But I I actually became the first uh, sheriff in American history uh, to start and launch a major lawsuit against the federal government, take it all the way to the Supreme Court, and win. And I'm grateful that six other sheriffs joined me in that lawsuit. And one that ended up at the Supreme Court with me was Prince, Sheriff Prince from Montana, Ravali County. And uh, we took this on, and uh, we never thought that it would go to the Supreme Court, and then to actually win at the U.S. Supreme Court and written by one of the best justices ever, uh, Justice Antonin Scalia, who wrote the decision, God rest his soul, the most powerful 10th Amendment decision in the history of our country. And all of this really applies to what's going on today with all the hoopla with COVID-19 and all the illegal unconstitutional um, dictatorial mandates. Uh, that are destroying our country, and it's just okay because it's for your own good, all of that crap, and and so all of this was born in that victory, uh, and and yes, if people would read this case, and I I have a little uh, pocket-sized review of the case at my website at cspoa.org, or look up the case uh, Prince v USA or Mac v USA, and the best review I ever saw of it that I studied a great deal to. Create this little pocket-sized review of the case uh, was Cornell University Law School, and they they really did a terrific job. Uh, but if you want to save a lot of time, uh, just go to our website and purchase a couple of those, and they're very inexpensive. Like I say, they're really small, but they are powerful. And this decision was absolutely so powerful. And, it was and it was Scalia, groundbreaking. Yeah, it was. It was yes. It really was. It was really revolutionary. Scalia quotes the founding fathers. Quotes the. Federalist Papers, of all things. And one thing that we we do at CSPOA is this is probably the one quote in the decision, Federalist 51, is probably the motto of our entire movement. He said, hence, a double security arises to the rights of the people. The different governments will control each other. And that's really where we... Uh, This is really where we hang our our educational process with sheriffs and public officials, that it's your job to make sure that other government is not victimizing the citizens within your jurisdiction. That's it.
0: Such a powerful idea. And at this moment where we see so many of our rights under assault, it seems like it couldn't be more timely. Take a look. As you assess, here we are in February of 2022, about to enter into March. Uh, Mm -hmm. What are some of the uh, rights that local citizens may see infringed that their local sheriff, their local police (laughs) chief can help us, can actually help intervene and perhaps protect? Well, intervene is,
2: is close to the word we use. We use the word interpose. There you go. Which, is another form is this form of intervening. And it it is, it's one of the words that used by Madison and Jefferson in their Kentucky and Virginia resolutions. And, and the power of the States is supposed to be there to interpose on behalf of the people. And interposition is a peaceful process. It's a bold process, but we never have advocated, uh, nor have we committed. uh, And I haven't even in 20 years of law enforcement, I never committed an act of violence. And I'm proud of that. Uh, and so we're trying to make sure that this all stays peaceful and everybody understands it. And the sheriffs can keep this peaceful. But your question is really great. I love it. Because the sheriffs can stop every single abuse being dished out by either the federal government or the state governments uh, that violate the Constitution. And, and so it, trying to force us to have a diaper on our face, arresting us for having not having a diaper on our face, uh, er, every bit of that is uh, under the sheriff's uh, stewardship of making sure that we make those choices on our own. That's what rights are. Rights mean I choose, and uh, the government doesn't choose that for for me or my family and then force me to do it because they think it's best. Government is not here to make sure... Uh, that I eat my veggies or that I wear my seatbelt or that I get a certain vaccination. Their job is to make sure that the playing field is level for everyone, uh, thus equality and that we're all created equal and that no one uh, has their civil rights violated by anyone, especially government officials. And so uh, the, the biggest point on all of that is that sheriffs can stop the abuse of the IRS, the EPA, um, the FBI, the DEA, the w- whatever alphabet soup you have there. Uh the sheriff is responsible for protecting the rights of the citizens, keeping the peace. He is the ultimate, in fact, the first con- the first constitution written by the yeah, first state, Delaware. Right says that the the sheriff is the conservator of the peace for the county, and that is exactly what we want
0: yeah such an important thing and with all of the encroachment of authority on our on on uh, personal liberty the rights free speech uh, it seems like Reinvigorating the sheriff's knowledge of that. How how widespread do you know? Is the sentiment that sheriffs realize? And We saw a lot of sheriffs say, "You know what? We're not enforcing uh, these mask mandates. Our job is not to be the mask yeah, police." The,
2: the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many did you see on on Fox and other places? Yep. and YouTube that said we're not doing this, and they didn't.
0: Yep, we had Sheriff in the Wave on the show the other day. He talked about it in his uh, in his place in L.A. It's pretty remarkable that. This movement has really taken root in the sense of sheriffs are knowledgeable and they're exercising that knowledge now, aren't they?
2: Phenomenal that a L.A. County sheriff would come out that strong. But yeah. We were we were loving every minute of his <laughs> announcement on that.
0: <laughs> you never doubt where Sheriff on the Wave is. He's uh, pretty clear where he stands every day, which makes him such a powerful leader. Uh, another part of this, and I want to ask about this, is in the paradigm we live in today, one of the, re- the responsibility the federal government does have is to protect our sovereign borders. That is not going on. And now you're seeing local law enforcement step into the gap and try to help protect citizens from the wave of illegal immigration or the crimes that flow from it. How big a movement is that? And is it surprising to think that sheriffs have to step into a role, one of the few roles that the federal yeah. government is clearly supposed to be doing?
2: Yeah. Article four, section four says that they're supposed to protect our borders from invasion. Right. And obviously uh, they have failed there. And, and some people, uh, including myself, I feel that uh, Joe Biden, his administration has committed treason on that. But be that as it may, with all the uh, illegal encroachments into our country because of what he's done, including cartels and international terrorists, allowing them to come into our country. And he knows he knows that's happening. Oh no doubt. But yes, the federal government, notwithstanding, the 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 sheriffs are uh, forced now into a position of trying to protect their citizens from a crisis caused by our own president and <laughs> our own uh, the the Biden regime, and and they're literally doing nothing about it. And lots of sheriffs have made uh, notices, uh, made this information available to the public and to the White House and they still do nothing. Uh, and I would say though, this is not an easy task for the sheriffs and they have, because they have very limited resources uh, and and finances to dedicate to this thing. So they're looking for volunteers and they've got some volunteers and their, their deputies are way overworked and way overexposed to this problem caused, this chaos caused by uh, Joe Biden. Uh, But some sheriffs, especially in Texas, are really uh, taking the bull by the horn. They are getting a little bit of support from the state, which they thought was going to be a lot, but it wasn't. Uh, And um, quite honestly, Abbott has dropped the ball there also.
0: It's more rhetoric than it is action, isn't it? It sounded good, right? But it doesn't look like the actual deployments are there, is it?
2: Yeah, it, it really is. And they need to call out the National Guard, the state National Guard, and put them on the border. And, and make sure that this problem doesn't get any worse than it already is. Important point. You know, somebody should have shut the gate a long time ago, but you need to shut the gate.
0: Yeah, yep. The, the but What's happened is that now every state, no matter how far you are from the border, you've become a border state because all, all this crush of humanity has come into your district, wherever it, you are. The
2: entire country. Yeah. The entire country. In fact, there's, there's sheriffs in Massachusetts and, and North Carolina that this is their number one issue to secure the border.
0: Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now you gave a speech recently uh, down in Colorado Springs, I think it was, and you said something uh, that actually I think is more reflective of the country at large, which is people don't study the Constitution, and it's the only thing that matters for our government. How did yeah. we get away from children and and parents and school teachers and educators failing to connect us to the Constitution?
2: You know, that's really a sad commentary about our country and our and our educational system. And I, I believe that we can put that at the feet of uh, the Department of Education, who gets uh, run completely by the teachers unions, especially the NEA, National Education Association, uh, their curriculum is very anti-American, very contrary to our Constitution, our founding fathers. And, and uh, believe me, I, I, I'm a history teacher yeah. uh, before, be, before I started doing the, the CSPOA work full time. I was a high school teacher and I taught government and history and the constitution. And it's really sad that we've made horrible mistakes in our history. We admit that readily. Uh, Obviously slavery was a huge mistake that we made in America. And we got to make sure that we don't repeat those mistakes of the past. That's why we teach history. But right now our civil rights are under attack. What Martin Luther King really worked for And dedicated his life to now many groups who say they love Martin Luther King are part of the problem in in diminishing and destroying civil rights today because we have a pandemic or we have a disease or we have uh, we have a health issue Uh, for no reason, for no pandemic, for no uh, natural disaster or any other cause would I ever say destroy our constitution and destroy civil rights until we take care of the problem and then we're going to be okay no i i would never ever support something like that and we we in this country today the citizens of this country should be rising up in righteous indignation against this and say no we can work together to keep america healthy and safe but do not destroy what made this country in the first place
0: it is remarkable. Now you you've been in existence a, a little more than a decade now, as CSPOA has mm-hmm. uh, the total number of uh, sheriffs trained are 800, although a lot of them have just been in the last two years. So there seems to be an acceleration of sheriffs that want to learn, hey, how can I, as part of my job, uh, enforce the Constitution, protect my constituents from encroachment uh, on their civil liberties? Uh, why do you think more and more sheriffs are going for the training and getting excited about this part of their job?
2: Well, regrettably, they're seeing the abuse going on in the country, and they're looking for a solution just like the American people are. And the sheriffs are now realizing that what we've been saying for the last 11 years is true, and they want to get educated, and they want to be a part of this. And the sheriffs you're alluding to that are really on fire are the Texas sheriffs, which I always predicted that that would be where this would really pick up a lot of momentum, and it is. Sheriffs came to our convention Uh, right outside Houston at the Woodlands last February, they went home, they got more excited about it. Other sheriffs they talked to got excited about it. And we've been back three times. We went to Texas three times in 2021, because more sheriffs were asking us to come and do this education. And and so that they can see and a lot of that education is based on my Supreme Court decision. So it's not that I've made any of this up. Uh, I didn't. Uh, This is as old as our Bill of Rights. This is as old as our Declaration of Independence. And that's really what we focus on, the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence and the oath of office that is required by the supreme law of the land that each of us in government, especially sheriffs, swear an oath of allegiance to the Constitution. We train as to what that oath is, where it came from, and what our duty is to fulfill that oath.
0: Pretty remarkable moment to see that this discussion happening among law enforcement. I I grew up in a family full of law enforcement and even worked myself as a deputy sheriff when I was putting myself through school. But when you step back now and you look at it in your lawsuit, which went all the way to the Supreme Court and struck down some of the provisions of the Brady Act, Mm -hmm. we're now more than 25 years removed from that. What is the state of the Second Amendment right now? And do you see encroachment in the last year on the Second Amendment?
2: Yeah, well, this is kind of funny. Uh, Well, maybe not, (laughs) but it certainly is ironic. Right when the pandemic started, uh, several politicians around the country uh, in D.C. and in uh, Sacramento uh, started crying for more gun control as if this disease or virus had anything to do with that whatsoever, but you know, and during uh, Hurricane Katrina and the aftermath of Katrina, they did it. They did a lot of gun control, and it was way out of control. It was crazy what they were doing. When people needed self-defense the most, here's the government taking them away. They literally went door to door taking away guns, boat to boat on rivers and lakes. They, they were taking away guns. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, these people don't ever miss anything if they can help get guns and destroy the Second Amendment. So this is one area, though, I'm really grateful to report to the American people and everybody on your show here. This is one issue of liberty that the sheriffs of this country are most united. They will not allow that. Uh, we just had about a year ago during the pandemic, the 29 sheriffs of Utah wrote a letter. And this is the second time they did it, They've done this. They did it under Obama. Uh, also in 2012. And all the sheriffs, even the liberal ones, signed this letter to Biden and his administration and said, don't come into Utah and think you're going to implement any more gun control because we will not allow it. It was a very strong letter. And, And so that's the type of response I think you're going to be getting on all of these issues, not just the Second Amendment, but the Second Amendment is always under such attack And right now uh, it appears that the uh, normal attacks on the second amendment are are taking a little bit of a backseat because they're busy uh, attacking religions and Christians and the right to peaceably assemble and the right to freedom of speech and certainly the right to file redress of grievances against government. Uh, So they're really going after all of that. And, and I think, I think the, uh, excessive abuse by the government has awakened many people, and it certainly has wa- awakened many sheriffs.
0: Such a crazy moment in history to just think of where we are. Um, you also talk about the need, and, and you've been very instrumental in trying to get a better dialogue between communities and law enforcement where there's friction. A lot of that friction was fomented yeah. in the last couple of years. F- first off, how real is the friction, and how much of it is is overstated by the media. And then two, what are some effective things that you're seeing be done to get law enforcement in the communities they protect to be closer together and work more carefully and get rid of some of the friction that's been in there? Well,
2: yeah, you know, uh, so much of this was just unnecessary. And uh, it was certainly overreach. And that's what our lawsuit was about. The Mac Prince case was all about government overreach. And that's why everybody wants to look at this. But it's just gotten way too far, and I believe that we have now seen that we do indeed have leaders in this country, especially sheriffs, that are sensitive enough to the overreach, and they're smart enough and sensitive to, uh, enough to know when we've gone too far. And that's really the, the, the battle cry uh, of a lot of this movement to, to stand up now, is that we've gone too far, and we've got to push back, and this is enough. Enough is enough. And I don't know when the airlines are going to get on board with getting rid of those stupid masks, but you know what? I've always wanted to tell them, you know why people are getting upset when you sit there and force them to wear a diaper on their face? They're getting tired of that because it's not doing any good, and the airlines have already announced that they filter the air every two minutes that's ten times better than that little blue paper thing on your face. And so it's not needed. And in fact, the uh, CEO of Southwest Airlines even announced that publicly. Uh, The masks don't do as good as our own uh, filtration system on the planes. And so, but still, they have us all lined up like a bunch of slaves wearing diapers on our faces on these planes. And and sometimes, I've been, I I still fly a lot. And some of those uh, flight attendants... Really get belligerent about it.
0: Oh, they're and tough, and
2: they want to blame. They want to blame the passengers.
0: Yep, I was on a flight this weekend, and God love the flight attendant. She uh, was unequivocal. If anyone had their mask down for more than twenty seconds, she was on you like butter on bread. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, that's true. And then I, I think the friction is there because people are simply getting tired of put, being pushed around by government and businesses like the airlines that want to promote this when everyone knows. Uh, it didn't do any good from the in the first place, but we all cooperated for a while, especially I even said that I will cooperate because they said it was for two weeks. Yeah,
0: that's right. We're going <laughs> to flatten the curve. We're, we're not yeah, that flat we're two years point. later. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, they flattened the curve. All right. And the curve was American liberty.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. It really is, sir. Well, uh, I want to wrap this up, but real quickly, uh, how do folks stay in touch with all the work you're doing, all the training, all of the ideas that CSPOA is putting out there?
2: Well, we, we do train people and sheriffs to have a stronger relationship with their citizens. We want citizens to go reach out to their sheriff, and we train people how to do that. We talk to people how to do that. And, and the American people, all of you, can join us join the CSPOA Posse, Citizens Posse, That's on, and then we offer a, a weekly webinar every Tuesday, uh, and you can be a part of that and be part of the solution that is real in reality the only peaceful and effective immediate solution that we have. We can take America back county by county, one good sheriff with we the people in his county. He answers only to them. His only boss is the people. And we're grateful for that, and we're grateful for the people who have gotten on board. We need to quadruple this, and everyone get involved in this healing and solution process. And all of this information is available, and you can join and donate at CSPOA.org. CSPOA, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, CSPOA.org.
0: You also have a great email alert system, which I stay in touch with, and just has lots of fun stuff, whether it's your podcast or other things, just a great uh, newsletter to stay in uh, touch with. So Sheriff, thank you so much for joining us today. These are really fascinating times, and you're on the forefront of a very important law enforcement liberty movement. Those are three words that maybe we're not not thinking of before today, but we sure are now. That's a perfect analysis. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Good to have you on, and let's hope to get you back on real soon. Let's do it. Thanks. All right. Thank you very much, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up a very busy day right after this advertisement. Folks, Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store, Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order.
2: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast.
0: All right, folks, welcome back. It is time to say goodnight and goodbye. Wow, three amazing interviews. My head is spinning as we think through the consequences of the Russian conflict, the economy. A big special thanks to everyone who joined us today, starting with my good friend Kash Patel, Christine McDonald from the Treasury Department, and... One of the big economic folks talking about what's going on. And then, of course, Sheriff Richard Mack, always an interesting and good interview. We are grateful for your time today. And before you go, I'd like to always throw out an important thing. I just recently got a Battle Box surprise gift at my home if you haven't subscribed to battle box and you're an outdoors person you love being outdoors you like camping you like hiking you like survivalist exercises you're just enjoying what i do when i go to my cabin which is the absolute best of the outdoor sports well then you better you need to you got to check out BattleBox. box b-a-t-t-l-b-o-x they are a remarkable vendor that every month creates a monthly subscription, hand-picked outdoor gear present for you. You go to your mailbox and you get surprised with amazing merchandise, things like my favorite one. I just got this in the box the other day and my, my entire family is mystified by this a little tiny one burner stove that uses a little bit of chemical and some twigs and you can cook dinner out in the woods. It's my whole family's been mystified by it. Yes, they had to open it up, go get the twigs and try it out right away. Great flashlights, great knives, all the things you need to be the ultimate outdoors person. Well, they're one of our partners at BattleBox.com and so they have created a unique offer for you for right now, through the end of March, March 31st, the last day you can get a, take advantage of this, you get a free mystery box worth up to $115. I just said that right. A free mystery box worth $115 with any new subscription. Now, how you do it? You go to trybattlebox.com. Try, B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X.com slash Just News. You know how to use the slash Just News. We do that for a lot of things. That's a free mystery box worth $115 plus. And right now, you can get it before the end of March by just going to trybattlebox.com slash justnews. Trybattlebox.com slash justnews. All right, folks, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports. Until then, may God bless you and may God bless this extraordinary country of the United States. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. And you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you gotta do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation, the way to do it with gold. All you gotta do to get started on that journey with my good friends, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.